put on your man pants, get ready, the ladies got theirs last week, it's your turn. So we turn our attention to Ephesians chapter 5, we'll pick up in the 25th verse, and the light at home, part 3, husbands. As we study and we continue in this passage, I want to remind you that There's really equal treatment given here to both we who are husbands and those of you who are in this place today and your wives. But there are different strengths and different places from which the Lord speaks to us. And so for us guys this morning, because at times uh, we're a little dense, we don't quite get it. As I shared with you last week, the ladies got 54 words, we guys get 485 You do the math. We need ten times the instruction that the ladies do to get the same basic message. It begins here in verse 25 with a very simple and a very profound, a very powerful statement. And it simply says in four words, Husbands, love your wives. Seems almost absurd, seems nearly ridiculous. Well, of course I love my wife. Well, naturally, I'm going to do that. The fact of the matter is, as it was then and as it is today, that is the toughest part from God's perspective. And so as we continue our journey here along with the Apostle Paul in the fifth chapter of this amazing little book, guys, it's our turn. And I pray that we'll keep our hearing attuned to what the Word of the Lord says to us this morning. Because I truly believe that these principles, if they were practiced, if we brought them to the forefront of our married lives and we exampled ourselves, and we said, look, follow me as I follow Christ, and we truly lived this way, that we would transform not just our own marriages, but our city, our state, our country, and our world. And so would you pray with me? Lord God, we come and this time together is short and yet there is much you want to say to us. We pray that you would now take your word and strengthen us to receive it. God, it's a passage for us men that not only do we need to hear, we need to live. We need to be doers and not just hearers only. And so God, we pray that you would work in this place to accomplish your great pleasure. Lord, bless us with the understanding. Bless us with the application. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Here in verse 25, Ephesians 5, now it goes on to continue. He's just reminded the wives to be subject to their husbands. Submit to them. Just as Jesus the Son submits to God the Father, so you ladies, somebody has to have the final word. At the end of the day... God has constructed marriage in a very wonderful and unique way. He's brought two people together who are unique and different, and he joins them together in a new whole. And now he instructs us men, just as Christ has also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Before we move on, let me tell you what it does not say. Because our world and our culture speaks to these principles in marriage from a very uniquely carnal place. 
And marriage is viewed to many, and marriage is purported to be, by our world, something that is excruciatingly selfish. And in fact, marriage is so devalued in our culture today that now, turning the corner just a couple of years ago, there are more people who are not married and living together than there are people who are married. More than 50% of all children are now born out of wedlock. So marriage has been taken to the floor. And yet God holds it so high that in this description of husbands love your wife, and he uses genetically male and genetically female as the example because that's the only marriage that's ever talked about anywhere in our Bible. He says it's between a man and a woman. And as he says that, he says, men, love your wife as Christ Agapeo, you, sacrificially took your sins upon him, upon Calvary's cross, died, bled out, and gave his life so that you might have eternal life. That's the example, men, in marriage. It's death to self. So many people get married because they think they can get something out of the other person. And in fact, very often in our state, like all other states now, having no-fault divorce is uh, the option of the day. Well, you know, my wife gained three pounds. I mean, of course I'm going to divorce her. (laughs) You know, he's not making $375,000 a year. Of course, I'll get rid of him. We've taken marriage to the cellar, and we need to elevate it back to heaven where it came from. And so he uses this example and he says, agapeo, your wife. It does not say phileo, your wife. It doesn't say really be nice to her like a good friend. It also does not say eros, your wife. Just look at her as a sexual object, a way for you to not lust and then be in sin. Gentlemen, it says, sacrificially give the very substance of your life for her life. Everything that you have, everything that you are, everything that you will ever be is to be invested in loving your wife. It's really quiet in here. (laughs) Remember, your pastor is a man. He has a wife. So your pastor has to live these things too. The word speaks to us with boldness. It speaks to us with clarity. And I think there's a very simple reason why Paul speaks these words by the Holy Spirit as God authors and breathes life into these words. He says, look, in that day, in that time, in the Roman world, wives were looked at as property. He's confronting the social, moral attitude that was of the day. Can I tell you that it's still the same social moral attitude that we have today? Many marriages are viewed as nothing more than two people who are together for some financial reason, some physical reason, some reason other than agapeo, loving in a sacrificial way. I've actually had people come to me, well, you know, I really don't love my wife anymore, 
but we want to stay married because it's financially beneficial. She gets her Social Security and I get mine. If we get divorced, we won't have enough money. That is not agapeo. That is called selfishness. And that's exactly what the scriptures tell us we're not to be in our married lives. That is the example. And so how should we as men love our wives? What does that look like? Let me give you four very simple things that if you do them well, you'll spend the rest of your life not only learning how to do them well, but practicing how to do them well. And they're tough. Men, we need to be willing to sacrifice everything for our wives, including our lives if necessary. Including our lives. So that, if she doesn't want you to play softball, that doesn't mean she's no good anymore. That doesn't mean if maybe you don't live in the neighborhood that you always wanted to live in because your wife won't go get a good enough job that the marriage is over. It means, men, we need to die to ourselves and love our wives unconditionally. With absolutely zero condition. Why? Because look at the example. It's Jesus himself. Jesus did not go to Calvary's cross, and as he's hanging there on the cross, what did he say? He didn't say, well, you know, except for those guys over there, you know, after all, they didn't quite do for me what I expected, so, Father, forgive everybody except for that group over there. He said, Father, forgive them, forgive the entire world, for they know not what they do. Men, that's our example in our homes. We are to live sacrificial lives of service to our wives. We should also spiritually nourish, care for our wives' well-being. And we need to be spiritual leaders in the home. After first service, I was talking with a number of people. And almost without exception, every woman who came to me said, Thank you for reminding my husband to be the spiritual leader in our home. You know why? Because a lot of times we aren't doing it. We need to lead. Remember, if we're going to be head, if we're going to seek to be what God's called us to be, we need to lead our families in following Jesus. You cannot do that if you will not pray with your wife. If you will not be the first one that says, Honey, we, we need to go to midweek service this week. If you're not the one that says, You know, we need to take that to the Lord. If men, we will not be Christ in our homes, then we are deficient in the calling that God has put upon our lives. We need to be the spiritual leaders in our homes. Our kids should know how to follow Jesus because they watched Dad do it. Our wives should be so in touch with the Savior because they've watched their husband kneel and pray. We need to take care of every facet of our wives' well-being. Physical, spiritual, 
mental, emotional. We need to take into account the whole being that is our wives. Let's face it, guys, we don't get it. Amen? You can say amen. There's a lot that we don't get it. If you're here today and you understand women, please write a book, let us know. We don't get it. We don't think the same. We view things from a very different perspective, the vast majority of the time. But our concern needs to be our wives. It's not based on what we understand. It's based on who they are and who we are in Christ. We're supposed to be Jesus. And a fourth thing. We need to show our wives the same care and concern that we show ourselves. And you know what? We're fairly selfish about that. I was listening to a couple of guys haggling a couple of days ago. And it was all about the dune buggy and the ATVs and this thing and that thing. And they're going, yeah, I can't. My old lady, do not use that phrase around me ever. I will slap you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> that is your bride for whom Christ died, and you are supposed to die for her. So you need to treat her with respect, men. We need to love our wives as Christ has loved us. And the same application, you can look at it later, was given to you wives, really. Uh, They're in 1 Peter in chapter 3. And the reason I believe there's boldness spoken these words to us as men is because the world is tough. It's hard. You can forget these things. In the face of battle, all of a sudden you're going, man, I, don't, I just don't want to love my wife anymore. It's too hard. Remember the example, brothers. Remember the example. It's Christ on Calvary's cross. It wasn't easy. That word agonizo, The word excruciate means to come out of the cross. Sometimes we need to simply die to ourselves and say, Look, Lord, whatever you want me to do, that I will do. And it's an easy thing to say and it's hard to do. Amen? It is tough. To love our wives as Christ has given himself for us. He laid down his life. There was no sin in There was nothing that Jesus did that warranted the treatment he would receive. And that's not saying every marriage is some stressed out existence to where you just go, okay, I'm dying to myself. Okay, I'm going back to the house. I've got to die to myself some more. That's not it at all. It's us saying, Lord, help me to be what my wife needs. Help me to treat her the very same way you would treat her. Men, our wives are the bride of Christ. And we need to treat them that way. You happen to also be the bride of Christ as children of God. But our wives are to be treated as they actually are. Take you a lifetime to learn that lesson, to live that lesson. But we need to engage ourselves in the process of doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Notice what is said next in verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, 
not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. We had the joy of welcoming a daughter into our family yesterday. My son Brandon's wedding was yesterday. They're now married. They're taking off. They're in the air, I think. But I can tell you what happened during that period of time leading up to the wedding. No detail was overlooked. No expense was spared within our physical means. The attention to everything. If you've ever had as many weddings as I've done, it never ceases to amaze. I didn't know hair took two days to do. (laughs) My lovely bride actually made the wedding gown. I lived with that dress for four months. I, I watched the transition of all the details And I always share with guys, I look at those things, it's an impossibility for me to even imagine putting in that type of effort into something like that. And yet, here my wife enjoys doing these things, and she's sewing these little tiny pieces of lace. I'm like, just super glue it, man. (laughs) What is wrong with you? You see, it takes both of us functioning in our area of giftedness to bring those things about. Because when it gets down to building arbors and stuff, that's not her specialty. It'd be like this. We use those gifts. We're preparing for that wedding day. And we men are responsible for preparing our wives to meet Jesus Christ. And we should spare no expense miss no details. Everything that we are, every hope, dream, and aspiration we have needs to be focused in on us preparing our wives and consequently our family, our children, to see Jesus. Don't miss the little details. This is just the interim before the marriage supper of the Lamb, amen? One day we're going home to heaven. We're all getting ready right now. We're all there in the, in the room getting, putting on our, our best. And then we have the responsibility to make sure that our wives are ready to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and adorn them in the Word and make sure that they are pure because you have led a pure life and you have led them in living a pure life. That day and time as Jesus uh, was walking with the disciples the Hebrews would have participated, the, the bride would have gone to the local mikvah, they would have gone to this ritual bath and they would have cleansed themselves and been made ready. And the picture here is very much like our baptism. Look, I'm bound in Christ, I'm washed in Christ, and I'm raised clean in Christ. And so this picture of the washing of the waters, look, this is who we are in Jesus. Isn't it strange how we sometimes have one standard for everybody else? And then when it comes to us, well, grace, man. We need to have the same grace for all. The same grace that we have received. So men, are you helping your wife get ready for that amazing day when we step out of time and into eternity? Now let's face it, this goes on and it says something I think we can identify. You love you, amen? Look, I drive by the gym there in the corner of Trenshaw and PCH, and it's a bunch of dudes all trying to buff each other out. 
like they're... You see them in the mirror. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, you don't want a bunch of guys thinking you look awesome. And yet we take care of ourselves. We kind of, you know, it's like, okay, we'll go and do this and we'll get ready. And most of the time it's just so the other guys can see exactly how awesome you are. Men, put that kind of effort into making your wife awesome. Do what she needs. If you focus on that, you will have what you need. Because that's what Christ did for us. He focused on us first, not on himself. And we do. We take care of ourselves. You go in there, the coffee's not... What, what's happened? There's no coffee. It's the blue button, honey. You know, we, we do try and take care of ourselves. We do look after our own needs. I'm famous for going into the cabinet... How come there's no snack foods in here? Because I want you to live a while. Well, that's no reason. We're looking out after ourselves. We're supposed to care for our wives, men. They should be the first one on our mind. Not ourselves. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. We are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. You see, the picture is this. It's the picture of a marriage. From God's perspective, we have been joined together. Jesus said, that which God has joined together, let no man separate. We live Folks, in the age of marvelous adhesives, amen? If you've never used Gorilla Glue, read the instructions. So I buy this tube of Gorilla Glue, and it's my first experience with Gorilla Glue, and I didn't realize that as it's doing its little chemical reaction thing, it kind of foams. And so I have this wood project, and I'm going to fix this thing. And so I glue these parts together, and I clamp them. And on the top, I wipe off the excess glue. This looks awesome. Connie's going to be really happy with this. And so I take it to the wooden workbench, and I set it down on the wooden workbench, not realizing that out of the backside, this marvelous new adhesive called Gorilla Glue is oozing out the back of my project. And so I leave it there. I'm being patient. I'm waiting on the Lord. (laughs) I'm being patient, and I I come back the following day, and I'm looking at my wonderful project, and I go to pick it up, and it will not move. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's odd. And so I try. Then I get a screwdriver. It still won't move. By the time I got the crowbar out, I ripped part of the, the top of the counter off, trying to get it out of there. It had bonded. Why am I telling you this foolish story? Because in marriage we have been glued together by God. And if you go to tear us apart, you tear apart the whole that is the new one. For the two shall become one flesh. They are knit together in such a way that they become something unique. They're still the same two halves. With all the gifts and all the talents, all the wonder, all the abilities, every lasting, all the emotions, every bit of it. In marriage you lose nothing. 
You simply gain the other half. And that new union becomes something that's greater than just the sum of the parts. Because you now have also the creative capacity to create new human beings. Something that could not have ever existed now has the possibility to exist. And so the Lord says, look, you take care of your own flesh. You take care of your own bones. You're something that's been glued together. So what hurts you, men, hurts your wife. What blesses her comes back to bless you. It's very simple. So very often we almost stay so separated in marriage that we don't realize that this union has been total. It's been complete. We're glued together. We're stuck together. When your wife is hurting, men, you should be hurting. When your wife is is having a joyous moment, you have the joy with her. You go through life glued together. Verse 29, for no one ever hates his own body. But you nourish, you do. We nourish our own bodies. We take care of ourselves. We so need to understand this with regard to our spouses. We need to take care of our wives. And that doesn't mean that they want you to do everything for them. It doesn't mean that you want to, yes, dear. It isn't that at all. It's that your focus and your attention is so intently focused on your wife's being well with her soul and good with her life that when she has joy you have joy you find joy in trying to outlove one another you know that's a pretty good recipe for marriage you got two people trying to outlove each other what do you think that does you both receive more love from that type of a of a life lived verse 31 as we wrap this principle up Look now at God's original design. As he brings these two together, they're they're now this one flesh. That identity that we now have is something wonderful. It's something unique. It's something bonded together. And he says this is actually a great mystery. And then he goes on in verse 32, for I'm applying it to Christ and the church. He's saying, look, the best hope for mankind is to see husbands and wives so glued together you can't tear them apart. And this is a mystery because it's exactly how God wants us to relate to the world. Look, in Christ, we are so in Christ, you can't pull us out of Christ. You can't tear us apart. Who we are, we are because of Him. Amen? If you're here today and you're a believer in Christ Jesus... You're a believer in Christ because He died for you. He brought you near. He has paid your debt of sin. He has brought you to Himself. He now calls you friend. You are His bride. You see, it's an indissolvable union, it can't be broken apart. You don't have to worry about the Lord divorcing you someday. Because you're joined together with him. And that's our picture for marriage to the world. Great is that mystery. That union that now has. It's imperfect at times, amen? But we're supposed to have mutual love and loyalty. Men, we're, we're to lovingly be Jesus in our homes. That union bestows riches. It brings intimacy. It brings oneness. It brings friendship at its deepest level, and it brings self-sacrificial living. 
You know, when two people try and outgive each other and outlove each other, out-sacrifice in that sense each other, you get into arguments like this. No, let me bless you. No, I want to bless you. No, I'm blessing you today. No, you're not. I'm blessing you more than you're blessing me. It turns into a blessing fest. Not, well, okay, I'll do it if I have to. Gee, I hope everything works out today for you, honey, because you're a real bummer. You see, we're to try and out-love each other. That will glue two people together. That's what it does. And it finishes this way with what is so simple. It's almost ridiculous. And it's a translation that gets right to the heart of the matter for both of us, for husbands and wives. Each of you, verse 33 says, and so now he draws it back and how this functions in our world. Each of you, however, should love his wife as himself, and the wife should respect her husband. Men, if we're being Jesus, your wife's going to respect you. That's what's going to happen. If we're loving as he loves, if we're caring as he cares, if we're being kind and gentle and respectful, it breeds the very thing that we're looking for. Because us guys wander around and it's all about our image. It's all about being respected. When you talk to men, that generally is our greatest need. I just want to be respected. The way we get there is by loving our wives like we love ourselves. So investing in them that they automatically, reciprocally look at us and go, why would I not love a man who's treating me that way? How can I avoid loving and respecting a man who treats me this way? Can you imagine what it would do to our world if every Christian marriage actually was like this? Can you imagine? Because there, there's nothing you can't conquer. There's no problem you'll ever face that this won't take care of. There's no issue that's going to come into your life. And well, it's good for everything but that. You see, as we submit ourselves to the loving care of the Lord Jesus, we automatically end up respecting each other. And we love each other. Because that's what he's done for us. And so he says... Love your wife as you love yourself, and wives, respect your husbands. We want marriages that are healthy, we want marriages that are strong, and we need to take these words very seriously. And it's a lifelong process for all of us. Nobody's perfect. If you're perfect at this passage, God bless you. We've got a marriage retreat next weekend. Come, we'll ask Brian and Cheryl to sit down. It takes a lifetime to live these things out. It takes a lifetime uh, of endeavoring to say, look, I just want to be like Jesus today. I, I want my wife, I want my husband to have an encounter with Jesus because of the way that I have loved them. The way you love each other. Let me give you a little secret. When your kids see you loving each other like that, that is the best thing that you can do for them. When they see that mom and dad love Jesus and mom and dad love each other like Jesus loves them, they will end up loving Jesus. 
You want a healthy, you want a strong marriage. Love and respect each other. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just come, and Lord, these words, they are easy to say and hard to do. And so, Father, we ask you this day that you would just help us, Lord, in our areas of weakness. Lord, we as men, at times, sometimes we're just not paying attention. We're, we're not watching. We're, we're allowing the plans of the enemy to come in and to affect the way we love. God, help us to love the way you love us. Help us to care for our wives the way you have cared for us. We ask, Lord, that you would guard our marriages, that you'd watch over us. Lord, may we be examples to our children, to our neighbors, to our city, to our state, to our nation, to our world, of what your love looks like. Would we be getting prepared for that glorious day when you call the church home to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Lord, we thank you that at times uh, we're, we're so enabled and yet you are so marvelously able. And we can rely on you, trust in you, lean on you. God, help us to live these words out. Bless us, we pray, as we leave this place. Strengthen us. Use us, Lord, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. God's people all said, Amen. Amen.